You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy-laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Well, it is good to be continuing the conversation that we've already started, David. Last week, uh, we were talking about beginning to walk with people through troubling times and just preparing ourselves, preparing our hearts for gospel conversations, for how we can minister and encourage others with the gospel and with the Word of God. In particular, uh, we were talking about First Peter and how Peter has this message for people that are without hope, that are suffering, that are struggling with faith issues, struggling with sin, relational struggles, injustices, fears, whatever it may be. But we saw that it was important to know our own story, how our story connects with their story. Uh, We are both elect. We are both exiles. We are both strangers to this world. We are waiting for the hope to come. And then how important it is in these gospel conversations with one another, uh, how important it is for us to know their story and the diversities of their struggles. Some will struggle with suffering, some with uh, some their faith is hurting, some will be relational struggles, but we must be able to hear their story. And so today, what we want to focus our attention on is how do we create a biblical conversation. Where do we start? Uh, When we begin to have that conversation verbally, what do we say? How do we encourage someone else? And how is God's word relevant to the things we talk about with others and encourage others with? And how how do we walk with people uh, in these broken times and in the brokenness of their own life? So David, there's the question. How relevant is God's word to this yeah, conversation? Yeah, it, it's a great question because I actually think that's that's what Peter does in First Peter. Um, Peter takes mm-hmm. those people that you described, and he's not just preaching a sermon. Um, you know, he's not just doing the introduction and uh, speaking from a distance, um, even though he's physically distant. But he, I think, what's happening in in First Peter, and then so much. I mean, this could be said in, uh, about the Bible is Peter meets people right where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, these, these, are, these are hurting, confused, um, courageous people. Uh, and, and we'll see that in verse 13. Peter just says, okay, I'm, I'm walking with you. I'm, I'm, like you said, I'm creating a, a, a gospel, biblical conversation. Mm-hmm. So to begin, when we want to know where somebody's at, how do we, how do we get to that point where we're like, you know, I, I understand what's happening in this person's life where I feel like I can, I can offer them some hope, some assurance, some truth in this time. Yeah. So like if we just take just, just two examples, um, let's just say, uh, especially, you know, with some of the challenges that we're going through presently or, and we don't even need uh, the challenges of the present day to know that we just have relational um, and, and, and uh, relational issues, and, and they don't have to be big. They can just be the day-to-day grievances, and it might be mm-hmm. something about parenting um, mm-hmm. or 
uh, you know, conflict just seems to be increasing, arguments happening more frequently. And we just, we don't know, we don't know why that's happening or, um, you know, and, and maybe especially now, but, but not necessarily, um, people just live through dark times. Uh, they look out at the world and they look at their lives and they're overwhelmed, uh, the pressures of life. Um, many people are struggling financially. Uh, many people are struggling with guilt and shame. So, you know, if, if we just take those, th- those normal life circumstances and, and ask the question, well, where do we even, cre- how do we even create a biblical conversation? I think that's, that's verse 13. Um, Peter does something amazing with the therefore. So the, the first 12 verses are praising God. So we know that in, in our minds, but we don't always know that in our lives or with our, with, with our, with how we speak. Um, and so somebody comes to you and your, your question and my question to them in, in a coffee shop or maybe in a more formal setting is what do you want? And that's where verse 13 is so encouraging for us because Peter meets the people where they're at. Peter basically says, well, what do you want as believers? What, like when they're suffering that way, relationally or, you know, just suffering through darkness. Um, in other words, what's the action plan that, that you want? What's the agenda that you want? And verse 13 says three things. Um, people with good intentions want when they come to see someone um, about relational issues or suffering or whatever. They want to be ready for action. Um, so these next verses, we expect them to get ready for action, to prepare them to be ready for action. And we're not talking about a quick fix. We're just talking about a conversation that takes place over a period of time. The second thing that happens is people want to be sober-minded. Um, sober-minded is, you know, you're not drunk on anger or you're balanced. Um, and some people will come in with imbalanced minds. They can only think of the negative or they can only have angry thoughts or lustful thoughts or whatever it might be. So how do, how, how is their mind turn balanced? How do they, how, how does their mind not eat them up with negativity or sin or whatever it might be? And then the third thing that people ask for is, is there any hope? Um, you know, we, we're, we're arguing more and more, and, and we don't see any way out of this. Um, is there any hope? So that's what Peter's doing. Peter's, Peter's preparing them for, for a real honest conversation. They want to be ready for action so they can work through some of this darkness or relational issues. They want to be sober-minded, and then they want hope. They, just, they want to know that, that God's with them, that things, things can be okay. Yeah, those are some really good thoughts, David. Uh, when I'm thinking about the situations that we're all in right now, and in particular, who we're seeing the most and who we're around the most really is our families. And sometimes with conversations like this, it can almost be more difficult uh, on some levels having these kinds of conversations with those you're closest with. I was wondering, do you have some advice as to how we can approach um, these these things graciously with those whom we're quarantined with, with those who we're living with, with our families, in a way that is not begrudging, in a way that's not uh, that's not calling for hostility, but but a but a gracious, Christ-centered moment. Yeah, I agree. It can be, you know, it's almost easier if someone approaches you. And says, you know, I I, I want to have my mind ready. I want to be sober minded. I, I want to know where hope is. But when it's those closest to us, we it, it seems very difficult to have these types of conversations. And my understanding of this is, it it's often because 
we either have a very, we can have a shallow view of the gospel or we don't know how to apply the gospel. Hmm. Um, what we're talking about today is, is just the gospel, really. In fact, that's what, that's what Peter says at the end of verse 25. He says, this is the gospel that was preached to you. Everything about chapter one is the gospel. So how it, it's, before we even begin to have, become comfortable with some of these conversations, it's really how, um, how do we live out the gospel practically? So for example, if there's no grace in your parenting, mm. then you're not going to have grace in your conversations. <laughs> then you're not going to have grace um, in, uh, in your household uh, and everything is held to a rigorous standard where children become exasperated. Mm. Um, or on the other hand, if there's no truth in your, if there's no standard of truth or obedience in your household, um, then that's not a gospel moment either. Uh, because what we see in first Peter one is, is truth and love coming together. Holiness leads mm. to love. And, and that's what we're, we're creating conversations that are not perfect conversations that sometimes take a long time to work through, um, aren't solved in one day, but we're, it, it comes out of how we live out the gospel, how we understand the gospel. And that takes time. That takes time for a family to figure out. I think one of the comforting things is we often look at other families and say, oh man, I, like, I, I wish I could be like that family. Yeah. I wish I could have conversations yeah. like that family. I wish we could have that type of marriage. But mm -hmm. every family struggles at a level. Mm -hmm. Every marriage struggles at a level. And if we're to think gospel, and we'll actually see this this coming Sunday, but if we're to think gospel about others or about our family, it, it doesn't begin with how well they're doing. It's, it begins with, man, I bet you they're struggling as well. Um, mm. But we don't often think about that with others. We think th they have it together, but no one's the package deal. We yeah. all struggle. And even being able to say that as a family, like we're not a package deal. We will not get this isolation thing right. We will not do this well certain times. Um, so we start with our... Our sinfulness, we start with our imperfections, we start with our weakness, and then the gospel fills in our sinfulness, our weakness, our imperfections. And I love how that also applies uh, in the scenario where we might feel like we don't have anything to offer. And I've, I've, I've encountered this at different times uh, in, in having these kinds of conversations with others or encouraging others to have these conversations where the resistance sometimes is, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, I, I, I don't know how to help that person. Maybe somebody more spiritual is, is better to help that person or somebody who's a little bit more equipped with biblical knowledge should really be having this conversation. But I love how the gospel becomes our words, as you were saying, and the gospel becomes our message, but also our method um, in how we go about these conversations. So we shouldn't really sell ourselves short because we've got the gospel, the truth of God's living word. And that's what Peter is trying to get at in this, in this passage. Well, here's a question. How does then Peter counsel? How does, how does Peter create these conversations? And what can we learn from the way that Peter creates these conversations? Yeah, the, it, it, it's true. These verses, uh, 13 through 25, that we preached on um, last Sunday, and part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is just to show you how relevant they are 
um, and mm. and how much part how much part of uh, of a gospel conversation they can be in our lives because we want to be ready for action we want to be balanced we want hope we want to know that there's a way forward that things are going to be okay so that's what Peter does um, and first of all we have to expand our minds that the gospel is not just the forgiveness of sins um, the the gospel includes our sanctification the work of Christ is from beginning to end um, as we uh, we serve and love one another. So I think that's what that's what Peter does in verses 14 through 16. He's just creating a conversation. He is he is saying it's okay to talk about the difficulties that you're going through. So verse 14, as obedient children, um, uh, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. What what that's that's Peter saying. Okay, we're all struggling with our desires. And we're all struggling, like our desires aren't bad, but we're going to bring our desires to our former allegiances, our former sins, our former ignorance, our former way of life. So we want to, like, say, for example, a, a family's coming in and say, you know, we're just arguing a lot and um, conflict seems to be increasing. We want to begin with behavior. How do I have a good conversation? How do I, how do I talk well with others? But Peter begins with it. Uh, another in another place, and he says, "You have we we have to understand that we're we're coming that from this from a point of weakness. When when there are conflicts in the house, then my desires are somehow warped because my natural place is to go back to my former ignorance, um, mm-hmm. my former allegiances. But we won't admit that. We're going to try and figure things out as if." we're doing the best job that we can. But what Peter does is he brings us back. He creates a conversation that's an uncomfortable conversation. And he says, we're called to be obedient children, but we're really going to struggle with the obedient part. We're really going to struggle with, you know, living by the spirit or walking in obedience to the word. Um, And that leads, I think that's why Peter goes into verses 14 through 16 or 15 and 16. And he's talking about holiness. Am I really living a holy life? Like, am I really? (laughs) I don't, I don't, I mean, is it as pure and as clean, um, or am I filled with jealousy and envy and anger and all of those heart issues? Um, am I as holy as God is holy? Uh, and we're not just talking about outward, but Peter's digging deep and he's saying, talking about former allegiances. So what Peter does, so, so a, a couple walks in and so how would, how would I walk with someone through first Peter chapter one? 14 through 16, after they've said, you know what, we really want to change and, you know, we want our minds ready. Um, we, we can talk about what it is to be obedient, um, but not from how well are you doing, but where are your struggles? Um, what does it look like for you to, to be your desires to go to former allegiances? So I, I, my desires and I, I'm bent towards anger or I'm bent towards selfishness or I'm bent towards um, power. Uh, that I have to, you know, I, I have to be in control of all these things. If I'm not in control, then, um, I, you know, I'm filled with fear. I'm frozen. All those other things that go along with that. So Peter meets them where they're at, and so he he just creates an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. And that honesty continues in verses eighteen to twenty-one uh, when Peter gets a little. Uh, a little bit more uh, insight into the human nature and what we and what we need and how profound the truths of these verses really are. So I was wondering, could you just speak through, just talk through those verses just a little bit and how important having this kind of honesty of these verses is to this kind of conversation? 
Yeah, because Peter, Peter in verses 18 through 20, after he said, wouldn't it be amazing if, if you sit down with a couple or if you sit down with someone who's, who's going through suffering like we read of in First Peter, wouldn't it be amazing? And, and some people who listen, they might say, it'd be amazing if I could be that honest. It would be amazing if I could say, you know what, I'm living in my weakness. Um, and then we would often go from there and say, okay, now we just have to be obedient. We just have to, we have to do the right thing. But that's why verses 18 through 21 in biblical conversations often do this, is they just slow the conversation down. What we would do, we would take verses 14 through 16 and say, okay, I have an uncomfortable conversation. Here's my sin or here's my shame or guilt or whatever, my struggle, um, and tell me what to do. But Peter slows it down and he says, you have to understand before we move forward, this is going to be a costly conversation. It's going to be a costly conversation. In other words, in verse 18, it talks about um, an empty way of life. And, and we just have to recognize that our sin will lead us to an empty way of life. But Peter goes on to say, you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the shed blood of Jesus. Jesus' obedience cost him his life. And that's often a missing part of the equation when we talk about, you know, those annoyances in life or, um, you know, some of the struggles that we're going to go through. If we're going to walk in obedience, it's, it's going to cost us. Um, and that's hard for some couples to hear or some people to hear. Um, but it's such an important part of what Peter says. Your way forward of obedience, first of all, often goes through the path of suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is uncomfortable. But at the same time, just going back to what you were mentioning before, um, we're not alone in it, right? Christ has walked that road of obedience for us already. And that's the that's the beauty of the gospel. But we got other believers around us that are walking those same paths that are faced with similar challenges. Um, so we're not alone on, on both those fronts. That's what I love about the community of the church too, is we can encourage each other with those things. Um, and verses 22 to 25, we see a, a shift even in the conversation um, from a costly conversation into a comforting conversation. Would you spend a few moments and just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think the hope, and again, we're, we're just, we're going over it quickly, but I think the hope yeah. of verses 22 through 25 is, the, the verse 25 is, the word of the Lord endures forever. That's the comfort. Um, mm-hmm. As we uh, seek to live out the truth, the obedience of the truth, so that we love one another. You know, just that that in itself is... Like if, if we think, okay, our, our family's just, you know, they're just not connecting. Um, conflict is increasing. We're brought to a point of, okay, I'm broken. This is going to cost me, but I'm called to love. So what does love look like? Um, I don't want to get up and do the dishes, but I'm going to love. Um, I want to respond in anger, but I'm going to love. And, and I'm not going to be good at this. And I'm going to have to have conversations. I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness. Um, but... That, that's my direction. But w- we need more than just direction. We need hope. And that's what First Peter is about. And that's why those final words, like when we're living out the word of obedience, that's what endures forever. That's the hope that I have. If I am willing to lose my life for the sake of my family, um, then I will, by God's grace, have fruit in my life that endures and that looks different from, from what the world 
you can have all the desires you want and lose your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, that's the difficulty. And then, but somebody might say, well, what happens if somebody's suffering depression? How does that help someone who's suffering depression? The word of the Lord endures forever. is such a comforting word for those who deal with depression because nothing endures in their life. In fact, everything has fallen away. Everything's fallen apart. Um, there's such darkness, but when we know that the word of the Lord endures forever, someone, and we're not talking about serious, severe depression, but we're just talking about, you know, just those who are lonely or guilty or, um, you know, just, that's just part of their makeup. Um, Mm -hmm. Part of it will be walking with them and building up their faith and saying, you know, when, when you walk in obedience, here's God's promise. What you are walking in, in obedience, it endures. There's value. Um, there's purpose, there's life to it. It's the living, it's the enduring word of God. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, um, and and then we come across and we say, and that's because we point him, we can point him back to the verse 12 verses and say, that's because he's our comforter. He's our keeper. He's our sustainer. He's our helper. And he will cause all of that to endure forever. And I love this little explanation he puts at the end of verse 25, uh, just in case you don't know what the word of the Lord is, and this word is the gospel that is proclaimed to you. Uh, this gospel I've been explaining up to this point, this gospel that we stand on, this becomes our foundation. It endures forever. What a comforting and uh, and peaceful thought, really. Yeah, and who would, um, so- who would even think of the gospel that way where... The gospel mm-hmm. is about having an honest, it frees you to have an honest conversation. It, it frees you to, you know, give up your life. It'll be costly. Um, but to find comfort at the end of all of that. So Peter mm-hmm. has walked with us and taken us in a totally different direction than, than we would have normally gone. Um, mm-hmm. Coming from, okay, I can be honest, to costly, to finding comfort mm-hmm. that th- there's, there's hope in all of our, in mm-hmm. all of this. What I love about what we're talking about too is that often in life and in in media and in the world, we are told that the Bible, that God's word doesn't can't speak to relational difficulties, can't speak to things like depression, um, can't can't speak to emotional difficulties, maybe spiritual things, but there's this idea that that the Bible doesn't speak to all aspects of life. But right here in this first chapter of Peter, Peter just kind of explains how it does, how this word that endures forever, that's our foundation, speaks to all of those things. And with that, we've got such a great hope. So to end our time together, um, how does this work out practically when it comes to understanding what God knows about us, our situation, and being able to have this conversation with others? Yeah, I think if we take those two illustrations that we looked at, for those who are suffering depressions or just filled with fears, um, this passage uh, um, lets us know, because it's really God walking with our journey. It's God walking with our story. And and he's, he's creating a conversation ultimately with who he is. And we can have that honest, uh, a person who's suffering or depressed can have an honest conversation with God, admit that it's costly, um, but that it is the living and enduring word of God. Um, and these conversations live, um, they create life. And the same thing happens with those who are just, 
you know, a family that's just arguing a lot, um, being able to sit down and have an honest conversation. We, we are bent towards arguing. Um, it's going to cost us to, to have, to love one another. So what does it mean to love one another? But the hope is in loving one another, that's what will endure. That's what will give our family life. That's what will um, give our family joy. Doesn't take away the difficulties, but it gives us a direction to head. Very good. Thank you so much, David, for your time today. And our prayer and our hope for you that are listening and for the church in today's day and age is that we would find our rest and our hope in the gospel. And we would see that the foundation of the gospel is what matters most uh, all at all times, but even particularly when it comes to having these uh, kind of conversations with one another, these real conversations, but also how we view our world today, the sufferings that we face, the difficulties that we experience. The gospel is our hope and the gospel is our rest. Thank you, Tyler.